quick PSA, folks. This is going to be our last week on SoundCloud. We'll be moving to our own stream, and the link for that will be in the description of wherever you are listening or watching this current video. We've got links in the description to find out our new stream. Welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the E! Podcast. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News alongside Justin Cohn from the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette. And joining us today is a very special guest. He's in his first year of being ECHL head coach, though he's no stranger to the minor league ranks. A veteran of 190 AHL games, 265 ECHL games, not to mention stints in Italy, England, and Germany. After playing his final pro season with the Anorodak Thunder last season, the 37-year-old was named the head coach ahead of the 2022-23 season. Welcome to the show, Pete MacArthur. How are we doing, Pete? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Did I get that right, or did I butcher anything horribly? I always like to check. Uh, the Pete? only the only thing that was off was I, I actually, you know what? I, I had opportunities oh. to go to England, but I, I was in Austria for a couple years. Oh, well, you know what? Actually, you can blame elite prospects on that because we got the info from. So, Oh, yeah? Yeah, it said it said uh, ICECHL or whatever. That's why I, I see. You know what? That's good. We're going to learn here. As All you right. see my little, see the ghost in the background? That's my two-year-old. Oh, the wow. Doors? Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, when I played in Austria, it was the Erste League. That was the sponsor. And now it's Ice Bet Ice Hockey League over there. Oh, okay. So the EIHL is England, but the Ice HL right now is the top Austrian league. And that's I here see. in uh, Vienna and Graz over there. Okay. So that's really interesting. So, but you know, you're one of the few coaches in the league. There's also Jack Costello and Allen, Jordan Smotherman in, in Worcester to jump directly into coaching after playing. What's it been like to make that jump this season? Uh, it's been challenging, but it's been a fun challenge. Um, sometimes it's more tiring than being a player because you're you're just oh, well, it's a lot of paperwork um, and a lot of things that can come at you out of nowhere. So the different challenges of they make you use your brain in a different way. Uh, mm-hmm. But I like it so far. We've had to move a lot of guys in and out and trying to kind of figure things out here in Adirondack. Uh, but after playing for so long, my brain kind of needed to do something different. Uh, it's been a, it's been a welcome challenge so far. You know, having played with some of the other players, what's it been like coaching them? Like, has that been a bit of an adjustment and drawing that boundary? Like, how does that kind of come together? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I said that at times it it wasn't awkward. I don't want to use the word difficult, but the first time you're going to call a guy out, like you know, I played hockey with Sean Weller when we were 12 years old. You know what I mean? Right. I grew up playing in this rink that we get to coach and play in now. So right. the first time I have to tell him he's out of the lineup or this, that, or the other thing, it's awkward, but it's a business and we're men. And the more, the more conversations and experiences like that, that you go through, just like as a player, it becomes more natural, not easier, but more natural. Right. Right. Totally. Uh, so coach, uh, you know, I've been doing this for about 25 years and there used to be this kind of set pattern of, how a guy became a head coach at this level. You know, you had to toil away as an assistant. Maybe you had to go prove yourself in the SBHL, uh, something like that. Now, obviously, you had some experience as a player assistant. I know you worked at Skidmore as well. Um, do you think that we're maybe seeing, like, teams thinking outside the box a little bit more? I mean, like we said, three guys this year directly from playing to coaching. I mean, maybe teams are, are thinking about it a little bit differently now. Yeah, and there's even, I mean, even you can even move up the ranks and see a guy like Johnny McCarthy, who's the head coach in San Jose's American League team now. 
who I was a teammate with in BU, who he was in de player development, but he's never coached the team. You know, we're chatting with each other a little bit. This summer, like, what are we doing here? But um, I think that the way the game's going, you have to be open-minded, right? Um, a guy like Chad Costello, you would have a very hard time convincing me that he doesn't have the prerequisite skill to coach an ECHL hockey team after he just dominated the league. So um, I appreciate the opportunity very much. Uh, I, I do have experience uh, with different USA festivals that I've worked in. Uh, I ran a business for a number of years, developing players on and off the ice. So there was some experience away from just playing. I was preparing to to not be a player, which happens to all of us. I uh, just wasn't prepared for it to happen so quick. Kind of had to shift my mind right away when they when they asked me and, and they thought that it would be a possibility so but no i think it's i think it's great hockey's getting younger it's changing so mm -hmm. let's keep the minds alike so that you, you, we can understand these guys and make the game even better you touched on one thing early you mentioned paperwork and i i know that you know that's one of the things that that can be challenging it's not so much necessarily the x's and o's but it's understanding salary cap and you know, working with the agents and European deadlines and whatnot. I mean, how do you prepare for that? Did you are you just learning that on the fly or did somebody give you a crash course while you were still playing and, and you figured that stuff out? Uh, honestly, the guys in the league are awesome. Um, Joe Ernst and Dan Petrino specifically for, for myself have been so very helpful uh, along any step of the way. If, if I just want to check and see if I've done something correctly, they're, they're great with it. Uh, and you do just learn week to week and day to day uh, with the simplest things like sending in the weekly roster and just remembering, remembering that that's due at five o'clock on Monday night. You know, I, I probably lost sleep over that <laughs> for a couple of weeks in the summer. And I'm like, I'm just going to put a note and I won't forget, you know. So um, but yeah, like you said, you learn as you go. It's, it's nothing that you can't handle. Um, you just don't know how much there's going to be until it's all put in your lap and you've got to handle it. You know, obviously, it's been a quicker transition. Does part of you sometimes, or maybe not now, but at the beginning, did you kind of find yourself missing playing a bit and being around the guys like Camadre? Because I know that in talking to, to people that go from a player to a hockey ops role, there could be that kind of period where, you know, a big part of hockey is like Camadre and, and being with guys. And when that kind of changes, it can be challenging sometimes. Yeah, it is a little bit. Uh, fortunately for me, I can play three ice still, the three-on-three -three league that they did. So I kind of have my mindset on I'll get my fix of the competitiveness and the locker room aspect with that again in the summer. But it's been a long time, and my body went through a lot when I played. Now, it was an easy game for me, which it isn't for anybody, but I had to kind of fight for every inch uh, when I played. So it was time for my body to have a rest. And, yeah, I definitely missed it. But – being around the rink still for now is it's enough for me. So I'm a Detroit guy. So I grew up, you know, reading and sort of enjoying from very far away things going on in Glens Falls, you know, Barry, Barry Melrose, those, those types of eras. Um, you know, what's it like in that market when the team is really doing well and things really get buzzing because there's been so much history in the Glens Falls area. Uh, you know, just what's it like as a hockey town? It's unbelievable. Um, I grew up here, like I said, I grew up playing in the rink and was at those Red Wings games and have kind of seen the, the different organizations and teams come through and, and not have a whole lot of success until we got here. Uh, and at the beginning, we, we did really well. Uh, 
made the playoffs several times, won several playoff rounds, and had some teams that had a chance to to legitimately win the league. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen. But moving forward, we're not as good again yet. But our fan support has been unbelievable this year. Unbelievable in our rink. The guys love it, and you can feel the energy. So, yeah, I mean, 40-plus years of mostly American League hockey with some some legendary names. You know, th this summer when we were trying to get uh, <laughs> we were trying to get Yannick Turcott here because Turcott, like, you could name him Adirondack Thunder. You know what yeah. I mean? He is the epitome of what we are in Adirondack. And he was going back and forth between us and another team, and we got to get this guy. We People are going to love him. He's going to love us. So I woke up and I, and I listed off a bunch of – bunch of names of the legendary guys that have played here mccarty coaster probert martinson he's like oh back you're talking at my heartstrings <laughs> you know what i mean so uh, it was awesome to get him here and yeah it's uh it's an unbelievable place to play the people they just want a good effort even more so than the wins and losses they want you to compete your butts off and never give up and we have a team that does that and, and we've got an opportunity to to make a little run here so yeah, so sort of playing off that, obviously last season, the team's record wasn't, you know, wasn't great, 27-39-4. and four. But it seems like at this level, if you do the right things, if you recruit well, like you're talking about, if you maybe get the right affiliation, get the right help there, it seems like at the ECHL, you can enact a turnaround pretty quickly. Am I, am I right on that? I think you're right. I think that what we try to do here is, is give these guys a clean slate this year. You know, personally, I wanted to see these guys play standing up above them and not sitting next to them. It's always different, right? So we brought a lot of guys back and we wanted to see how it was. And, and now we're at where we're at and we're, we're very close to being a really good team in this league. We're not quite there yet, um, but you can make those turnarounds, but it, it's character at this level, right? You need leaders. Uh, you need guys that are willing to, to do the dirty work and, and the not fun stuff and the non glamorous stuff because it's a good league. It's only getting better, more skill, more speed, maybe not as much physicality. Um, but in the end, hard work and smarts are what win in this league. And those are the types of guys we're looking for. You know, Adirondack is actually, we have a team of the week and a player uh, prospect of the week every episode. So Adirondack is our team of the week this week. So we want to go over a couple of the guys that are on the roster, uh, namely the ones that are on AHL contracts. So let's start with rookie, rookie forward Xavier Perron. We've got 17 goals and 43 points in 42 games this year. What have you seen from him this season, his development? ton of growth. Um, at the beginning of the year, it was a little bit of a struggle. He's a young guy. And like a lot of guys, not sure what this league is all about and how to be successful and even more so how good the league is. Right. Uh, but he's just put his head down. He's a guy that takes care of himself off the ice. He cares about him, his career. He wants to have a career in hockey. Uh, he's just gotten better and better. And the, the best thing with him is he just works. Even if he's not creating great A's, which most games he does, he works both ways. He's gotten so much better. He's a great guy, too. Is that Xavier that we hear in the background? That's Danny. <laughs> oh, okay. One of your players or, or a household <laughs> member? Maybe in 15 years. Yeah, my little two-year-old boy. <laughs> so how about Jared Gorley and Sebastian Vidmar? How, how are they progressing this year? Vids has been struggling with injuries this year. So he hasn't had a whole lot of time to get going. He's hopefully going to be back in our lineup Saturday. Mm -hmm. So he's been dinged up. I have to give him an unofficial. And then Gorley's been – he's been a little bit up and down. 
when he's assertive and aggressive, he's he's awesome. He's exactly what we need and, and what Utica signed him for to kind of help him out when they're in need. Uh, and he's making simple puck decisions. We actually had him on the PP early in the year, and he was hammering the puck. But when he's on his game, he's assertive in front of the net in the battle areas, and he's making really simple puck plays, which I'd say 75 80% of the time he's been doing that. You guys have had a few goaltenders uh, also on high-level contracts, Isaac Poulter, uh, Jake Toits, uh, Merrick Mightens. Uh, can you talk a little bit about them? I, I've covered Jake a little bit, but uh, Poulter had uh, had a little uh, cup of coffee this year in the AHL. What have you seen from the goaltending? Yeah, well, Mitz played one game, and then he had season-ending hip surgery. So incomplete for him also. Poults, Poults went up earlier. Um, I think for him it was probably a little bit too early. It was a little bit unfair, but he had to, right? That was the nature of the beast with Blackwood getting hurt. But he's really, really resilient. You know, he got shelled up there for eight one night, and it wasn't a good night. He knows this. But he came back to us, and his attitude has been phenomenal. He actually had maybe a game or two here that he'd like to have back. And since then, the kid's been lights out. He's doing great. And mentally is the thing that we like the most. He doesn't seem to get rattled. As a young kid, that's awesome. And then Jake Toy, kind of like Poltz's mentor this year, a little bit older, um, never really had an opportunity to play a lot of games, even in college, uh, but earned himself an opportunity through his work ethic and, and what he did backstopping us when Poltz was up. So we like what we have in the crease. I think if we can defend a little bit better as a team, not just as D-men or forwards, but as a five-man unit, our goalie's numbers would be better. And what about Nick Rivera? He was with you guys too, wasn't he? Same thing. He's been he's been out with an ankle, shoulder. He's out with a concussion right now. He was up for a little bit, so he kind of gets an incomplete too. He's never really got to get his wheels going here too much yet. Hopefully he does, though, because those guys, him and Vidmar would be key cogs for us down the stretch if we want to be able to kind of take Worcester away from their playoff spot. So what kind of goes into that when you've got those key cogs missing? As a coach now, what have you learned in terms of the, the sort of the shuffle that happens with filling those slots, finding players from other areas, and kind of filling those roles in a pinch? Well, I'd say the first thing is keep your composure, right? Because you can only control so much. Okay, you took my guy. I got a game tomorrow. What can I do here? You know, there's only so much I could do. McDavid's not coming down to play for me. So um, <clears throat> we did a lot of work this summer. Uh, our assistant, Mike Bergen, who worked at Skidmore, He'd already been recruiting. He actually, I think he recruited the top NCAA D3 class in the country last year. Wow. So he already had a ton of names. And so we had that database and, you know, talk to a lot of agents and also rely, also rely on players in our room. Hey, do you, do you know anyone or what do you know about this guy? Right. right? We don't know everything. Um, Got to help each other out. But, you know, we've, we've hit the nail on the head a couple of times this year. We brought this kid in, uh, Travis Broman. He was at Oswego last year. This guy's a stud player, played in the SPHL. We called him up, and he's never going back. He'll probably only go up. Um, I think it's just you know, keep your composure and and do work ahead of time. Like you don't cram, you, like for a test. Just have your have your list of names and work on it, and have guys that you think might be able to help in your back pocket for when the time's definitely going to happen <laughs> again and again. Uh, so, you know, I typically cover the central division, so I, I have a little bit of bias there. I use, I usually say, you know, the central is the toughest, but this year it's really spread out. You know, all the divisions in this league are really tough. 
tell us a little bit about your division. Obviously, you're facing teams like Worcester and Maine and Newfoundland. Um, it, it's a tough division. You've got a little bit of ground to make up, but you know what? What's the quality of play like there? And and uh, is there a specific um, style of play? I think that that we see uh, up in the Northeast. Fast. It's fast, uh, and I and I can say that with assuredness because I played in it for several years, and it just gets faster. Um, you got teams like Reading, who've got Newton, Gerard, Barrett, who these guys get grade A chances every single time they go over the boards. And it's through hard work and compete. And then you play Worcester at the beginning of the year who have 14 contracted guys on their team. Two of them are goaltenders who are both 6'4 and 6'8. Uh, and then you go up to Newfoundland. And I think they only have four ECHL contracted guys. So it's a heck of a challenge every night. Even playing a team like Norfolk's not easy. They beat us twice uh, because they play hard. They play very, very hard. And playing against all these other teams with so much speed, it's only naturally going to make everybody else better. So every night's a challenge in our in our division. Um, we know what we're kind of in for. There's, there's a whole lot of speed and skill out there that we have to be ready to handle. One more question I got to ask you because you brought up three ice. And I know a couple guys that played it. I think Brandon Hawkins played it. Oh, uh -huh. Yeah, JC JC Campania, I think was yeah. in it too. Yeah. Um, so I would expect since you participate in it that your team has got to be lights out in overtime. I mean, no, we're terrible. <laughs> it makes no sense. It makes no sense. We're terrible. <laughs> We've only won one overtime game and lost six. I think. I think my team's record in three ice was. We won five of nine tournaments, so that's definitely better than one in six. <laughs> I mean, are you great research, out? Justin? Great research. Well, I mean, are you are you are you pulling out any wackadoodle yeah. plays that you guys are using in that? Or you know what? It's totally different. Um, right. The rules in three ice are. I'm not going to say go as far as say it's not hockey, but it's three ice. Right. It's right. Well, that's the league where where you could if the puck goes off the netting, it's still in play, right? It's still in play, and once that's you cross the blue line. You can't bring it back. Um, there's no whistles after the opening whistle. If there's a break, a penalty shot, you chase them down. Right, right. So like when Hawkins scored that goal, I'm the guy that smoked him in the face to give him the opportunity. So I told him he's supposed to give me fifteen hundred of the three grand he won. <laughs> yeah. I actually like that rule. It's kind of like a live soccer rule, you know. Like <laughs> I, the NHL should look into it. It was. It was the most fun I ever had playing hockey. A lot of the other guys there, without mentioning names, said it ruined five on five for them. It truly is unbelievable. It's the essence of speed and skill and, and thought process. For me, that's what hockey is. There's no physicality, which it's probably good at, at, at that point of all of our careers, but it was awesome. And I, the NHL should definitely look into adopting a couple of the rules. And, you know, they're talking about getting rid of the shootout right now anyway. So, hey. Look at a couple of these rules Three Ice has. The fans will love it, and the players will too. And the games will all end. They'll all end before the shootout. And at the very least, the All-Star game, I know if the NHL could use a jolt like that. I let's mean, go. I, yeah, I don't know. What all Three Ice, EJ Johnson, let's go. The Pittsburgh Penguins are all over Three Ice, so they know what's up. They know. They're talking about it for sure. You heard it here first from Pete MacArthur. All right, Pete, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Best of luck the rest of the way, man. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Have a great day. Thanks again to Pete MacArthur for coming on. Awesome guest. I mean, every coach we've had on is pretty solid. We were saying this before. I mean, I don't think you can go wrong with the, with the characters you have in this league. Well, I think that's that's part of coaching at this level, though, 
is communication skills, you know, and relating to younger people. And I may be the old guy in the room, but uh, he's still got to be able to relate to young people like you. And, uh, you know, I just thought that that came across well, that he's kind of got that nice vibe of being a real quotable player who's, you know, now into coaching. And I, I, I don't know. I just thought he was great in terms of his communication. Yeah. And further to the point you kind of made, I feel like it's when you look back on it, sort of archaic that there was ever a point where you had to go, you had to prove yourself as an assistant at a lower level before, because to me, the ECHL would seem like a stepping stone to the A and then the N, right? Like, I feel like if, if you've got, if you're someone that's a good communicator, why not, why not give them a chance, right? It makes sense that you're seeing more of that. Well, yeah, I agree. But I also do sort of get the inverse because of where I am, which is, you know, in Fort Wayne, it's a market where they, demand winning every year okay sure, sure. and so they used to have a steadfast rule for decades really that you had to be you had to have head coaching experience somewhere so bruce boudreau was a player here they essentially made him go coach in what was then the colonial league for uh, a year or two before they brought him back mm-hmm. gary gary graham was an assistant here they made him go coach in the sphl he won a championship, and then they hired him back up here as a right. head coach. So Ben Boudreau, who's Bruce's son, he's the first coach in eons here who did not have prior head coaching experience, but he'd been an assistant here for a few years. But even then, they were like, wow, I don't know if we could do this. So you're right, but I do believe it's changing. I think we're finding different ways to find successful coaches. So you know, one thing we talk about a lot, Justin, is goaltenders on this, naturally. The ECHL has become sort of known or, or almost synonymous in a lot of ways with those stories of goaltenders that develop later than the average, you know, goaltenders take a while, but the goalies that take extra long. And I think that what we found in doing this show is a lot of the time we're not getting what we really want out of save percentage. And that's something that's become clear with goals against average, but save percentage too, right? Where, we talk about Sebastian Cosa or whatever and certain things where Toledo's struggling defensively. It doesn't really do us justice for starters. Secondly, I think that in the ECHL, raw save percentage just at, at its own can be a bit misleading. So, oh boy, know, you're, you're going to lead me down the road of analytics, aren't you? Oh, I am, Grandpa. Buckle <laughs> up. You ready? You got, you got your, your Corsi calculator out? No. So, here, here's where I think we can find a cool medium. So goal saved above average for those that don't know is what it is described as. It basically measures how many goals or how many saves goals are, sorry, goals are being saved above the average league average. Now where this is mainly helpful is for when you're looking at a historic lens. So if we take 10 years of data and we say, you know, who are the best under 25 ECHL goalies or whatever, if we put just save percentage in, you're you're kind of cutting corners because one year the league average may be 890, next year maybe 907. So it's more important to calculate how much better one is than the league average. So for this year, I I did some some number digging, calculating, whatever. First off, I want to ask you, what do you think, Justin, as of today, February 23rd, Thursday? What do you think the league average is of the ECHL for for state percentage? Boy, that's tough. Uh, I will throw out something like 890. Is that your final answer? Well, let's say 880. That's my final answer. So you think that that's the league average? 
Yeah, and I'm probably way too high. 902. Really? Okay. Well, 902. Good. So way, way to go, ECHL goalies. Right. Right. So so that's the average. But which I didn't have time to do this before, and I will. This is a promise because I got now I'm really interested. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna exclude the COVID year because that's kind of a wash. I bet you a couple years ago, the the save percentage was probably closer to that, the average. So in doing those calculations, I got you know five the, the top five goals saved above average. Four, four of them are no longer in the ECHL, unsurprisingly. But are they want... are they in the AHL or are they in Europe? Or you don't know? Good point. Mix. Okay, it's a mix. So like one. So number five is Strauss Mann, who yeah. uh, he's in the AHL, I believe. Yep. Um, and then oh god, Justin, you got to help me with this name because we had him before, Evan. Evan Buttonheis. He's number one. Twenty-two point oh two goals saved above average. Right above Remy Poirier, Tyler Parks, Isaiah Saville, who's still in the ECHL. He clocks in at number four. And number five, as I mentioned, is Strauss Mann. So it's pretty interesting because those guys' five save percentage, save percentages kind of vary. But this kind of contextualizes how well they've done above the league average when they've been in the league. So I think it'll be cool when I follow up on this with a, a macro. Scale. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting because, uh, you know, Bite Heights, first of all, went to Europe. Um, they actually Wichita today got Dylan Ferguson, uh, which is which is very interesting. Former uh, helped Fort Wayne to the uh, Kelly Cup a couple years ago, but I would not have guessed him. Um, you know, Wichita. I don't necessarily. I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's it's a good team. They're a, a very improved team. But if you asked me to sit there and if I were to have guessed ten goalies, I don't think I would have gotten to him for that metric personally. And why is that? I'm curious because so I'm looking at. I'm not going to 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 lie here to anyone. I am not eyes on the ground as much as Justin is. I'm more of a, I'm looking at it from a step back and just running numbers here like a freaking nerd. Whereas you, you've been watching minor league hockey for years. And I think that both perspectives have a value, but I want to know why you are surprised by that. Just we can look at well, this. Well, a couple of reasons. I think, first of all, I would have probably assumed that it was a, a prospect. Like if you had said it was Clay sure. Stevenson, the South Carolina Capitals prospect, I would have said, okay, that makes sense. He's number eight. Um, yeah. Um, so Evan's a good goalie. He definitely plays a lot of games. So I think that would have given me a little bit of pause because I know Wichita hasn't had the greatest record and he's playing a ton of games. So that would have given me some pause. But uh, I guess the more I think about it, an experienced goaltender, one that you lean on as a number one, mm -hmm. um, I can see it both ways. But I think my initial thought is I would have thought, Who's the guy that's got huge AHL, maybe NHL upside? And I would have focused on them. And I'm not sure he fits that criteria. All right. So because you are a teacher and I am finishing my journalism degree, you are not my professor. That'd be funny, though, if we were on a show and you were my teacher. What what would you like me to look at more for, for the next show? Do you think there's more of interest to see over the last five to ten years or whatever? Just the best ones or do you think that they'd be cool with with age right like under 25 what do you think would be the most like what are you your curiosities kind of with this stat uh for me i'd rather see the best goal not the under 25s but over a period of time like if you okay. came up to me and you're like you're never going to guess who the best goalie according to the analytics was in echl over the last five years and you came back and you're like hey it's pat nagel uh i i, I find that pretty interesting myself Challenge accepted. You can bank on it for next episode. Because now I'm, I mean, it's so cool, right? Because when you only have so many stats to go off of as it is. And 
let me let me preface. I did this pretty much manually from HockeyDB, so I may need a break from the copy and paste, but wasn't too bad. But I want to get to our prospect of the week, who is also a goaltender, Thomas Vomchka of the Norfolk Admirals, twenty-three-year-old goaltender, six foot three. He was a fifth-round pick of Nashville in twenty seventeen. Currently has a four thirteen and one record and an eight seventy-eight save percentage. An interesting pick here for prospect of the week because also he's got a pretty cool pedigree, Justin. Yeah, so you know Thomas Vomachka is a obviously a Predators uh, prospect. He's on the league's worst team. So I, I did you look at his uh, at, at, at his analytic out of curiosity, the one that you were I just sure talking did. about? Yeah, where was it? Uh, not well, very good, right? Very so, good. well, that's that's what I'm getting at here. So it's very difficult to judge Norfolk Admirals players because the record isn't very good. But I would argue they're a little bit better than the numbers would say. So to give you some background of Amachka, he was a very good Hockey East goalie at UConn, played there from 2018 to 2021. He actually followed the North American Hockey League, United States Hockey League junior track. So he's he's not coming out of major juniors, OHL, the Q, anything like that. So that's interesting in itself. But he really made his bones uh, at the college uh, level. Played 22 games last year with the Florida Everblades. Now the Everblades won the Kelly Cup. Vomachka was not the guy. It was Cam Johnson during the playoffs. But still, you got to think great experience. And Florida was a very good team. Um, he was 10-6-5 last year with a 317 goals against, 897 save percentage, and two shutouts. And just to throw out one more thing, if you're uh, familiar with the Yvonne Holinka Cup, uh, he won gold in 2016 with the Czech Republic. So he's a guy that has been on the national team radar for the Czech Republic. So really good pedigree. And then you look at the the numbers this year and you're sort of like, well, what happened? I, I don't think any of this is his fault. I think he's been put in a rough situation. Uh, obviously, I, I don't think it takes a genius to, to say he's probably playing out the string on his contract there. Um, and... What do you make of his play? Now, you can get into the analytics. I get into the eye test. So I bring up the film and I look at, what, you know, what do I like? I watched some of the games last weekend. You know, he looks like a good goalie. I mean, he's not the biggest guy in the world, six foot three, but uh, has a lot of um, uh, athleticism. I, I really like to, you know, the way he goes, you know, post to post in the net, uh, cuts off some angles. So it's a really unusual situation when you start talking about prospects on teams like Norfolk. We talked about the same thing with Hunter Jones of the Iowa Heartlanders. Very similar situation. A guy on a high-level contract who's, you know, getting hung out to dry in terms of the goals against, but doesn't mean he's not a good player. Doesn't mean that he can't become something with a much better defense in front of him. We saw it last year with Florida, and I think we could see it again next year. Let me also clarify that I think for when you're assessing, you know, Vimachka, the biggest thing, too, is goal saved above average is only going to just contextualize save percentage. If you're on a bad team, you're still not getting any favors with that, right? And that's not his fault. Speaking of the numbers, if we had goals saved above expected, for example, that would maybe shed more of a light as to his contributions and, and relative to his, his, you know, the volume and the danger of the chances he's facing. So just because he is, which <laughs> isn't flattering, but he's the second worst goal saved above average this year. Um, that's, you know, the point we're making about Florida and them being a bad team uh, last year. Oh, sorry, Norfolk. 
um, still stands, right? That's going to have an effect on it. Well, and I think you you do have to acknowledge that scheduling in the ECHL is very different oh, at a higher sure. level because you don't you don't play everybody. I mean, you're playing almost exclusively in your division. So totally. if you're in a bad team in a good division, uh, you know the numbers are going to be skewed. But you know, a couple things about Norfolk. I mean, they've got players I like. Um, you know, they have. I'm just bringing up their roster here, but you know, like a guy like DJ King is a guy that um, you know comes to mind. That's Derek King's son, by the way. He's only played 42 games. He's really young. He's only got eight assists. But this was a guy that last year was a legit AHL prospect. You know, he actually, you know, played uh, with the Grand Rapids Griffins last year. So, you know, now you're like, well, whatever happened to DJ King? Well, he's in Norfolk now. He's not going to get noticed as much. So it, it doesn't mean that they don't have some talent. They actually have played a lot better lately. They've got some uh, nice offensive players, Danny Caddick. Ryan Foss, Griffin Lund, you know, some other guys. So, but it's very interesting to me, uh, you know, I'd love to pick the brain sometime of like an NHL scout. How do you evaluate the goaltenders when they're down at this level and maybe don't have a very good defense in front of them? Absolutely. All right, let's get to just coast to coast, Justin Cohn's news, notes, and quotes. Let's start this one off with a continuation of last episode where we went over some of our favorite hockey names. What, what has anyone reached out to you in, in the, the weeks or days following? Well, lots of people reached out to me to say, who the heck is this Jacob Stoller guy? Like, how does he not know who Hawk and Lube is? Like, I know, I, I know. My dad uh, gave me the gears too. I'm about to Did, did he? We got a family member on you. Okay, that that makes me happy. I won't. I won't uh, yeah, my dad I'll, grounded me. I won't poke the bear anymore about that. But yes, I did have some people reach out. Um, some interesting NHL names that I hadn't necessarily thought about. Miroslav Satan. That was a big oversight on my part. I apologize for that one. Uh, Roman Hammerlick, that's an interesting one. Nikolai Habibulin, Il Ilka Sinasalo, yeah. uh, Rayo Rustalainen. These are all good ones. And I think we did forget to mention Garth Butcher as well. Um, so some minor league names, and some of these guys have some ECHL experience, but uh, Robin Bigsnake, how I did not Ooh. bring up Robin Bigsnake and Winston Day Chief also. These were and these were formidable, like intimidating players. Robin Bigsmith, I, I remember when he played with the Rockford Ice Hogs when it was a lower level. I mean, it was a show when he came to town because you didn't know what was going to happen. Steve Martinson coached teams. Um, they were going to be physical, they were going to score. It was going to be great fun. Um, one thing, Justin, if any listener has any jersey of any player we've mentioned, one, that's hilarious, too. Please send us a picture. That's <laughs> oh, I've seen, I've definitely seen some uh, some jerseys of some of these guys. Uh, some other names, Bo Cheeseman. This is going way back, even before my time. Gay Cooley. Uh, but two names that I watched yesterday that I was kind of like, how did I not fully appreciate the South Carolina roster? They have Bear Hughes. B-E-A-R, Bear Hughes, and he is a Hershey Bears contract. So you could have Bear playing for the Bears. Uh, but they also have a guy named Jackson Leopard, which I sort of liked. You know, kind like of like, that a, one. like a Def Leopard type thing. So I think you missed a good NHL one. How about Milan Hayduk? The yeah. spelling's awesome. Yeah. You have a J in there. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, I and I don't know why I keep coming back to this, but remember we talked about the French Canadian names, and I like Vincent Damfus. I always liked Vincent Dompus growing up. When I was in Montreal uh, two weekends ago, I was so like two guys scored a registered points that were from Quebec. And 
like Alex Belziel, I'm going to butcher his name, but like the weight when you hear it French just hits different. Or right. Raphael Harvey Pinar, just something right. about it. Alex Belziel, former Fort Wayne player. And I'll, I'll tell you, like, I guess that would have been eight years ago. I don't know that I would have imagined Crazy. he would have the career that he has had. He was a very good player. But I was there when he scored his first career goal. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also, speaking of names, no, I mean, maybe I didn't check the roster sheet, but Mike Matheson's from Quebec. I was interviewing him, and then someone came in and started speaking French to him, and he just went right into French. Like, that is a trip. Right. I well, had you, no idea. You got to be able to do that stuff, right? Like, especially if you become the captain of the Canadians and you don't speak French, you better learn quick, right? Well, t- I did 12 years of, of Hebrew school, and I can't even say anything except Apple, which is Tapuach. Um, on that note, that's it for today's Hockey News on the E! Show. Thank you again to Pete for joining us. Pete MacArthur of the Adirondack Thunder. Justin, thanks again for tolerating me. And for everyone listening, thank you so much. And we'll see you next week.